Welcome to Grumpy GDPR. My name is Ria, founder of No Ties Consulting. And my name is Milos Novovic. I'm an associate professor of law. And here is another episode of the Grumpy GDPR. Hi there, Ria. Hi, Milos. How is it going these days? It's going really well. It just feels like this month has dragged on forever. I thought you were going to say overwhelm like the rest of uh, our community these days because people are so overwhelmed. I keep seeing LinkedIn post after post and hearing from my peers as well on signal messages and whatnot that there are thousands and thousands of pages within the privacy and data protection space that everybody is just scrambling to read through. It's impossible. It's outright getting just like impossible impossible like it's just so hard to follow through with everything and today we have one of those like mega giga long decisions to talk about (laughs) well that's uh it was only like 188 pages was it (laughs) right right but then yeah right but then when we read the other one which is connected to that one and then we add all the previous ones just joking but like my god it was a long one it it was a long one we dove into that and and they come in 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 numerous iteration uh, iterations because you have first the original decision and then you have the uh, EDPB article 65 decision and then you have the revised decision so it's uh yeah that's a lot of pages but i think both of us we read the the EDPB decision and the DPC decision right yep and Let's just say which case it is. Let's not hold people in suspense. <laughs> We're talking about the Facebook case. Yay. Now you're going to say which one out of 72, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's the meta cases. I, I see that in at least in my uh, folder structures, there's a lot of uh, DPC meta decisions. That is right. But this one is kind of super special and near and dear to our hearts because the EDPB stepped in. They did indeed. So why don't you give us the uh, gist of the decision? And I'm sure people are familiar with the basics, but let's just do a quick recap. Yeah, absolutely. So this decision at its core was a decision uh, about the lawfulness of processing on Facebook, which specifically tackled the question on whether or not Article 6.1b could be used as legal basis for Facebook's processing of personal data for advertising purposes. The Irish Data Protection Commission came to the conclusion, to the very limited conclusion, that there are no reasons to basically enforce consent as the only option for use in online advertising. That was just one part of the decision, I suppose, but that was the most controversial part, which then uh, triggered the proceedings before the EDPB, which wrote a very lengthy decision instructing the Irish Data Protection Commission to go back onto its stance and to essentially, among many other things, find that contractual necessity is not appropriate in this case and among other things as well, that Facebook was in breach of the principle of fairness of processing of personal data. I'm certain I forgot something, so please fill in. No, I think uh, that pretty much summarizes it. It goes back to lawfulness and it goes back to transparency issues. And I think the whole process of this is just, uh, I don't know, uh, one word that comes to mind is embarrassing. You had another word, political, I believe. 
Oh, definitely. So I think that this decision can only be described as a political decision. So two reasons for that. The first reason I see is that the timing is very suspect. So everybody knows, I guess within our community, everybody <laughs> knows that there is a CGU case pending about the Article 61B and specifically Facebook. And the timing of this decision is a little bit curious. The fact that TDPB would choose to actually come with this kind of a binding decision while we wait for the Court of Justice decision is slightly suspect. And then um, another side of that is that in addition to not waiting, they still choose to refer to the opinion of the Advocate General, who was pretty aligned with the previous CDPB opinion. So basically, uh, I think that while we're waiting for a big pending case before Court of Justice, the timing does seem a bit off. Now, EDPB claims that there is no way for them to stay or delay the proceedings. I mean, they are the pinnacle of efficiency, after all, you know, so I'm sure that <laughs> they could have done nothing, absolutely nothing to avoid handling But the two first right decisions, they actually were published and is written on the DPC decisions. It's the 31st of December 2022. So I'm thinking maybe it was to be able to use the the revenue from the preceding year. <laughs> You're not, not as cynical as I am. Not that it, now that you are saying it, it absolutely makes sense. But I think, you know, in addition to it just being so weirdly timed or perhaps smartly timed. In addition to that, you also see, as I've said, that they just like pluck every single argument from every corner that was ever written that can kind of, you know, be built into this, like, it reminds me of those like Angry Birds towers you would build, like, uh, you yeah. um, But the second reason why I say that the decision seems political is because as they go, as they evaluate the specific Facebook case, you see, once and once again argued that, oh, but if we were to rule otherwise, then other data controllers would do this and this. If we were to establish differently, then all the people within EU who want to use Facebook would not be able to do so. But and now you're talking I mean, about the EDPB, right? Yes. Yeah. So in their decision, they're basically very clearly signaling we're not just handling this individual case. We want to deal with this business model without saying it explicitly. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I have a basket of rotten eggs that I want to hand out to, to, to say it nicely, to all parties involved here. I have rotten eggs for the DPC, for the EDPB and all the concerned supervisory authorities. I have some rotten eggs for Noib as well, and not least for Meta. Uh, so uh, who would you uh, throw the first rotten uh, eggs at? It sounds like the EDPB. Oh God, it's so tempting. Do you have some to borrow me? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> oh, perfect. Okay. Uh, well, for me, you know, given that uh, I always have this stuff of like, oh, but we are paying for this. Let's start from the very top. Let's start from the EDPB. So I think the first thing that rubs me really the wrong way was that EDPB just seemed to entirely disregard any semblance of, uh, what can I even say, like basic procedural case handling uh, rules, evidentiary rules. Let's go with that one. It just seems to me like there were so many weird arguments presented, very few, if any, factually substantiated. It just seems like they conjured a decision out of the thin air. 
Yeah, there were a lot of speculations and assumptions that they also admitted to, and I was surprised to see them as well. And I remember uh, one of them referring to, uh, I believe, one of the German DPAs uh, engaging in a detailed calculation to justify their uh, estimation of the benefit, the financial benefit that Meta has received from this uh, processing. But they acknowledged that it it was mere assumptions, and the DPC also addresses that in uh, in the final decision. Yeah, so that is actually a big part of it, right? We are going to just assume the facts, and then like to hell with it. We're just going to you know admit facts into evidence, and we're just going to rule based on our uh, make a decision based on our gut feelings. But I think in addition to that, what worries me is okay, fine. You know, setting facts aside, well, at least they know the law right there, the EDPB. Well, they do give themselves some liberties when it comes to law. Um, like in one part of the decision, they speak about how the profit itself of a process uh, that the uh, controller in question obtains through the processing has to be kind of assessed in the same way and taken due consideration the same way as in EU competition law, for instance. Then they talk about un uh, sorry unfair terms directive, which they somehow suddenly have a competence to interpret, and they just go through all of these very strange steps. They just have all of these legal observations, which are just seemingly to me just not anchored in the GDPR text at all. So let's address the big elephant in uh, in the courtroom here. So I'm not a lawyer. Um, and uh, so I absolutely don't have uh, any experience with the contract law per se. And the big question that uh, that is here is the is the actual uh, decision from the EDPB mm-hmm. setting aside the DPC's finding, and the DPC said that they are not competent to assess the legality of the contract, right? Yes. So. I think from my standpoint, I actually agree with the outcome. I do agree that this is not necessary for the performance of the contract. But the way that they got there is entirely wrong and dangerous. And I mean, just just the crash, kind of crash course type of overview of that. So for you to know whether or not something is necessary for the performance of the contract, you need to know what the contract says, right? That's That's pretty much obvious. So in order... To be able to assess what the contract says, you need to uh, not just read the text of the contract, but you need to actually apply the contract law which governs it to the uh, to the actual text and to all the other circumstances. So the same text in Norwegian law, the same contract in American law would not have the same consequences and therefore uh, you can't speak about contractual necessity that way, right? You need to just apply those contract law rules in order to interpret this contract. Um, For you to know which law governs the contract, you need to go through a series of steps. So even if the contract says, hey, it's Norwegian law, it's Austrian law, doesn't really matter. You have to, again, go through a field called private international law, which then when it comes to consumer stuff says... If there can be, if there is choice of law, you need to use the law which is more advantageous to the consumer, whatever. Mm-hmm. In any case, all I'm trying to say is it's a complex process to identify the applicable law, and then it's a complex process to apply that contract law to the contract. How on earth and where from the GDPR would the Data Protection Authority have the competence to interpret Chinese law or to construe whether or not Chinese or Portuguese 
contract law, I have to stress, is more advantageous when the contract is being interpreted for the data subject. So that means that suddenly we have authorities which uh, imagine that they know every possible national contract law, that they know private international law, that they know how to apply things such as the unfair terms directive, and where does this stop? And I'm 1,000% in agreement here with the Irish DPC. You know, I'm going to, to have almost, I don't know, like a... Uh, like a fanboy, fangirl, I'm going to put up <laughs> posters of people from the Irish DPC in my room. Uh, I mean, they are right. I know which problem exists, but this is easily fixable. What the Data Protection Authority does then is it stays the proceedings, it puts them on hold, it goes to a court, the court interprets the contract. Once which they know court the would contract that be says, in this case? So it would depend, once again, that would be a relatively lengthy analysis. In this case, I would imagine it would likely be the Austrian court because the consumer can always sue in the place of their residence and can only be sued in the place of their residence. So I would imagine it's Austrian court. I'm not 1,000 because I, unlike the authorities, am no expert in depth on this topic. But it's all logical, right? The court says this is what the contract says and then the authority says, okay, but it's not necessary for that. Nope, out the window with that. You know what? Our uh, kind of gut feeling says that this is not necessary. So that's it. So so you're saying you agree with the DPC in that interpretation or that statement that we are not competent to assess the contract based on Austrian law or any other law for that matter, because that is something for the a consumer and contract law area to be to be assessed in, so 1, to speak. So 1, what could what should the EDPB have done then? I think maybe you already said that that they should have uh, stayed the proceedings and had this resolved in some other way. So just before they can actually say this is what is necessary for the contract, get a court to say this is what the contract actually says because it's not just the contractual text, it's how the law then interprets that contractual text. So what do you see is the consequences here? What could potentially come from this? Because, the of course, Meta is going to appeal this. And, and one thing that I read in the DPC decision that worried me as well was that if, uh, Meta, it, was, if it was found that Meta wasn't given the opportunity to be heard, then that would violate Irish law. So could something like this throw the whole case out, so to speak? So this is part that I'm not actually sure how it works. So in my opinion, yes, obviously, if uh, EDPB suddenly says, you know what, here uh, you need to have a different scope of inquiry, you're asking different questions. Yes, Meta could have presented their case on other stuff, but we're nevertheless going to go ahead and decide on what we have. I think that the consequence would be actually the invalidity of the new DPC decision. But I find the one-stop shop to be very confusing there, and I'm not sure. The only thing I know for a fact is that against the EDPB's decision, you can bring uh, immediately, you can appeal it with the Court of Justice. And I think, if I recall correctly, anybody can do that. So, Ria, how about we go to the Court of Justice and send in an appeal because this is bad? Oh my gosh, that would be awesome. That Let's discuss that after. <laughs> yes. But couldn't couldn't the DPC have referred those questions as, you know, the preliminary questions that goes to the Court of Justice? Why didn't they opt for that instead? I mean, the Court of Justice, which already is sitting with those questions. 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, uh, we were uh, impatient. Uh, that's it. Yeah. So uh, okay, I guess that's uh, unresolved at the moment. But it's very interesting to read the reasoning of the DPC. So for those who have time, I absolutely recommend reading the decision and reading also the EDPB's decision on the matter where they where and how they argue that under the GDPR, they believe the EDPB and the various uh, supervisory authorities that they have some limited authority to uh, assess contract. Otherwise, it would be pointless uh, under the GD- their uh, authority under the GDPR to assess contract as a legal basis or legal obligations. So it's interesting because I also mm. see decisions all the time where uh, supervisory authorities uh, have uh, assessed a legal uh, obligation mm. and the uh, the law that's referred on that uh, legal obligation. Yeah, it's strange, and I see which problem they're trying to solve. It's just you know you can't just solve it by jumping in. We didn't see a single reference to any national contract law to actually interpret this agreement. But contracts and interpretation aside, let's go back to your basket of eggs <laughs> and uh, fairness and other principles. So um, we are grumpy today. Uh, uh, very what grumpy. What more was juicy? I think that um, all of the parties, as I said, have deserved their fair share of rotten eggs. I also was surprised, almost astonished to see the language Noib uses in the in the um, process and how they have articulated themselves to the DPC. And I'm just surprised to see, yeah, the, the way that they um, um, respond to the DPC, which uh, could be mm-hmm. uh, maybe uh, a bit more... I don't know if I want to use the word professional, but uh, yeah. do you see my point? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that uh, in many ways we have to remember the DPC is still a national authority. Uh, to me, and again, I'm no part of this process, obviously, but to me it seems that they are uh, actually reasoning, uh, explaining their decisions in pretty great detail. You always have, I mean, as per the GDPR itself, the right to bring them to court. So I don't really see the need to escalate things in a less professional way. Yeah, and I believe that you everybody's entitled to their opinion and everybody's entitled to voice them pretty much, you know, the way that you want to. But for the sake of uh, speaking to each other as adults, I think that we should all strive to keep a psychological safe environment and be patient and try to be diplomatic. And it will not help your cause if you are throwing around a lot of uh, unsubstantiated accusations. So I think that's a shame also. And uh, I think that's something uh, for everyone to take away that uh, let's um, try to keep uh, a good dialogue between ourselves. Absolutely. Can I bring up one more thing, which uh, I think you picked up on in, uh, in a LinkedIn post, but regarding this fairness principle, what was interesting was that the Irish DPC said that they don't think when evaluating the legal basis, is it did you pick contract or did you pick consent? as a legal basis, that they have to look into the fairness principle there. Now, the Italian, uh, if I recall correctly, data protection agency uh, disagreed, and they said that the fact that Facebook users think that uh, they are uh, giving consent 
while they're actually agreeing to a contract which is uh, blah, 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 necessary for performance under the contract. So the sheer fact that users don't know the difference is in breach of the fairness principle to which EDPB then agreed based on one survey which was submitted by the claimant. So uh, two things, basically, I mean, looking at the evidence, I don't think that's sufficient evidence, but the core of it, the fact that they say, well, if your users, data subjects, customers, whatever, don't actually understand the difference between legal basis, hey, you're in breach of the fairness principle, that sounds a bit off. No, I agree with that. I think that if you confuse your data subjects, the users, the people for whom you're offering this service, and people don't realize or understand the difference, and I don't think it's far-fetched to argue that that user engagement flow was unclear because in my view it absolutely was and for anyone who's used any of these big tech platforms uh, most of the time these terms are very confusing so mm. I think that's a, a fair assessment tongue-in-cheek yeah, yeah yeah I get it but uh, yeah I, I see your point I see your point at the same time, you know, if I go to my grocery store and I ask people, hey, is this necessary for the performance of the contract or is this consent? I mean, come on, most people are just going to say consent. A legitimate interest, take legitimate interest, right? If I ask someone, uh, yeah, is this now, is, am I now using your personal database on legitimate interest or consent? Even if they just see opt out, people are going to say consent. You know, most people don't even know what legitimate interest is. But how should they then know what the performance of a contract is? Yeah, Which then the, again, I guess, is transparency and fairness. The, the th challenge here is to be able to communicate this to people, which is a huge and real challenge. And the more processing you do, the more complex your operations are, the broader the processing is, the more difficult it becomes. But as the DPC fittingly said in the decision, well, sorry, you have to uh, comply with, all, with that anyway under the GDPR. You have to make sure that people understand that's your job. If you can't explain that clearly and fairly to people, then you have to assess what, how you actually process personal data. And I think what was surprising also in the decision was that the DPC said somewhere that... Um, they they wasn't they weren't sure that the uh, fairness principle was part of the original scope of the complaint but the original complaint clearly stated unfair twice in that mm -hmm. description so there i'm uh, agreeing with the edpb that that should have been an assessment yeah so the the scope is something that was very strange to me and i don't know the full background why the irish dpc chose to actually only look into some questions, limited nature. So EDPB did properly flag like, hey guys, you didn't look into Article 9, for example. Mm. Uh, how that early process actually looked and why the investigation was scoped in that way, I, I really wish I could find out. Maybe we can find out. Maybe somebody can help us uh, shed some light on that because uh, it's not entirely clear. I think both of us have read uh, a lot around this decision and there are still some confusing uh, parts around this. But before we move on, I, uh, there's one other thing in this uh, uh, with this basket of rotten eggs. And 
I, I really hate to bring this up. And this just, you know, everybody who lives uh, doing this GDPR evangelism all day, I think it is so embarrassing to see the, the whole process, watching how the supervisory authorities fight among themselves, uh, how hostile the environment is. This isn't doing any one of us any favors. Uh, we are already struggling to you know, get heard on privacy and data protection. And there's one page in the EDPB decision, which is page 14. And I was just horrified when I read through that because that summarizes the different stances of uh, various supervisory authorities from Poland to all the ones in Germany, Norway, Sweden, Italy, etc. And they all come up with their suggestions around the level of fines and what corrective measures the DPC should have assessed or implemented and uh, which articles were breached and not. And I think it's embarrassing to see that a regulation that was made a regulation for the intent of similar enforcement across Europe has so different views. Like, yeah. How can we enforce this regulation similarly across mm. the region when so many supervisory authorities have different opinions on how, what is the scope, what is the breaches, what are the correct measures to be put in place here? Yeah, so it's not at this stage that it's just kind of uh, us individuals kind of losing grip and not being able to keep with everything up and just living in this uncertainty. Obviously, the authorities have no idea you know, how to actually interpret this. There is no consistency. What does this mean for your favorite carpenter? Then the I was the just going right? to bring him up. My oh, poor no. carpenter. Oh my gosh, I've been thinking. I could almost barely sleep tonight thinking about this. Because if you look at the decisions, so they keep referring back to both the DPC and the EDPB. So this is uh, twice rotten eggs uh, coming their way here. They keep referring back to uh, Working Party 29 documents dating back to 2010, 2014, docs from 2019, which is uh, more recent. But their expectation is, in writing, that controllers should be familiar with these documents as they are publicly available. Do they really expect the carpenter to read thousands and thousands and thousands of pages and hundreds and hundreds of documents? I mean, come on, the GDPR is already 99 articles, 173 recitals. Then you have all of the documents from 2000 and early they cannot expect all controllers to have read the 2010 guidelines. Come on. Mm. But, but it's it's wild. Like I, I'm just silent because I have nothing to say. My God, it is. I mean, they it's haven't crazy. they haven't said explicitly that everyone, but they write it as an expectation. Uh, what the DPC does is uh, keep referring to Meta's uh, huge resources and comply in-house compliance teams and uh, whatnot. So for any controller processor of that size, then yeah, sure, they should be familiar with the uh, related or relevant documentation for the GDPR. But the carpenter or even, you know, any small businesses with uh, a few employees or even more than that, 
uh, I don't see how feasible it is for all of these organizations and businesses to have read all the corresponding documents. It is uh, unrealistic. And I guess uh, to add to that, it's not just even if you read them all, there is this whole politicking aspect to it. There is grandstanding. There is in this decision, which just, you know, kept in lieu of other normal legal sources, it kept kind of just referring back to previous EDPB one on contractual necessity. So they have things like personal data can never be a tradable commodity. Yeah. Mm, you know, if I'm a photo model, maybe, maybe I want to sell a photo of mine uh, for just to give a stupid example. Mm. And I think that's a whole episode of its own. But uh, the, the point is, even if you read the law, even if you read all of this, you never know when there is going to conjure something out of the thin air. And that's what worries me in the legal security and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So... To sum up, why don't we end uh, this uh, very grumpy podcast on our personal views on uh, OBA, online behavioral advertising? Hmm. What do you think? Okay, okay. so <laughs> I actually don't think there is anything that it's even remotely necessary to ban it. I do think that you need proper safeguards in place. Um, I can also see that you want to offer free service in like, you know, the business model in itself. To me, it's not a travesty. Look, you're giving somebody something of value every single day. And here is my challenge to the authorities. Fine. Shut down Facebook and Google. Go ahead. Do it for two days. Seriously, do it. If you think it's illegal, you have a duty to shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> that was very grumpy, but you know. So it brings values to people. It uh, creates value for advertisers. It obviously creates huge and disproportional value for these companies. But at the end of the day, the world would not have been a better place without Google and Facebook. That being said, of course, proper safeguards in place, proper transparency and everything. But if the question is the model as itself, not problematic to me. Okay, this I should never erase this because this is Pandora's box and I can see that uh, I am getting super grumpy just listening to you because I am on the exact opposite side of this. I want to ban all surveillance-based uh, advertising. I wish it was illegal. This is why I, you know, on, on one side I'm, I'm happy to see the EDPB decision, but it pains me because I suspect that you are right in your assessment that they cannot actually do this because I so absolutely want to ban all such uh, advertising. It is so invasive. It is, uh, it's opaque. You, I cannot see even how you can even start to make it uh, transparent. And I want to read one paragraph of, of why I think it should be uh, illegal. It's because they collect, so meta, they collect data on individual users and their activities on and off its Facebook social network service via numerous means such as the service itself, other services of the Meta Group including Instagram, WhatsApp and Oculus, third-party websites and apps via integrated programming interfaces such as Facebook business tools or via cookies, social plugins, pixels and comparable technologies placed on the internet's user's computer or mobile device. It's invasive, it's pervasive, it's everywhere and you you cannot get uh, rid of it. And I also think that's a brilliant point made by uh, Neub here, or the complainant, is that 
People have spent years building their profiles. Years and years. They have so much invested in in their profiles with pictures and memories and all of that. And all of the sudden, Meta and Facebook, they switched the uh, legal grounds of processing, making it impossible to object to that type of invasive uh, advertising. And that is a huge point. The second huge point is the uh, market position of uh, Facebook. You don't have any other alternatives. Um, you know, maybe someday, but at the moment, no. So this is why I just absolutely hope that they uh, won't be allowed to uh, continue this. So I'm going to go get off my soapbox now because we are... Uh, a bit over time, but I, I think are. we need to speak more about this. Yes, you know, I cannot <laughs> wait. Let's just do an episode on like, should it be banned? And uh, then you and I have to like, yeah. We Maybe we need to do a LinkedIn poll. Maybe I'll do a poll uh, when we announce this episode tomorrow. And should this type of uh, advertising uh, be banned or not? Awesome. And I hope you don't get banned by the EDPB in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for today and catch you next time. Yeah.